if you could grab hold of a Bible again and turn back to Revelation chapter 1. I think it's page 1233 on one of the Bibles that's near you. Revelation chapter 1 as we start off this uh, new short series at the beginning of Revelation. Well, it's 2007, isn't it? How old are you going to be this year? Uh, You might not want to think about that. Um, But how are you feeling at the start of the year? Uh, Good Christmas uh, for many. Not so good for some. Uh, Family time? Great. Good. Average. Hard work. All of the above. I imagine for some of you, you could do with another week off. Isn't that right? Uh, You've been looking after people all Christmas. The phrase... What did your last servant die of has been on the tip of your tongue more than once, I imagine, for some of you. As children made demands for food and entertainment, as husband or wife, mum or dad interrupted your rest with more jobs that need your attention. Uh, But you're a Christian, so you grin and bear it, didn't you? Well done you, all Christmas. Uh, But you could do with a rest. You've been treated like a servant enough over the past few weeks. Get along to church tonight. Uh, A chance to sit down and be encouraged at the start of the year. It never goes to plan, does it? Uh, Because we're looking at the beginning of Revelation and right at the start, we'll find we're being treated like servants if we're Christians. Uh, That's how we're spoken about in the opening verse. I can feel the whine in my own voice as I read these words just coming out again, give me a rest. I mean, why, why do we have to look at Revelation anyway? I mean, it's a tricky book, isn't it? It has over the years been a kind of honeypot that has attracted all kinds of wild and disturbing interpretations. Oh, well, there's a, a few reasons, well, a number of reasons servants, like you and me, should read it. Uh, here's just a, a few for you. One is it's addressed to you right there in verse 1. The, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which... God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Now, we're being treated as servants, but we're being shown something. You're a servant if you're a Christian, but you're no dog's body kept in the dark. God won't share his plans with you. This book is what it says it is. A revelation. God opening things up. It flies in the face of people who think God is hiding somewhere. This book says right at the start. God reveals things. And and a second reason is, well, it's a revelation of God's plans in Jesus. Uh, Did you notice that? The the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. And that's the way God always works. It reveals himself and his plans through Jesus, ultimately. You want to know what God is up to? Well, Jesus reveals that. Uh, You want to know what God is like? Well, don't look further than him. Uh, The same thing gets said in a different way in verse 2. We're told that John testified to everything that he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Uh, Another way of saying we hear God's voice through the testimony of Jesus. Uh, The word of God and the testimony of Jesus are the same thing. And throughout this book, even in the opening chapters, but throughout the book as a whole, if you read right through it, uh, we'll meet Christians facing tough situations. 
And yet at various points, people keep bursting into praise about who God is and his plans. And you can start to think, uh, what is it about God that he can get people to love him like that? Uh, People who have gone through some of the most extreme pressure, uh, real stresses in life, will still throughout this book praise him and love him. And what is it that will give people such a perspective on life that even when things are hard, they'll want to live for him? It would be good to know that, wouldn't it, at the start of 2007? See, this book is a revelation. It should open up for us something of God's plans in Jesus that will make us praise him and live for him now. And I guess another reason to read this book is, is well, its, its purpose is to bless you. Right, just in verse 3, uh, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. Now, do you want to know what I think is odd about that verse? Uh, let me tell you, as I was thinking about it during the week, uh, this is what I think is odd about it. It makes no attempt at all to understand my situation, does it? doesn't make any attempt to understand my situation. It doesn't ask whether I'm happy or sad. Or whether I'm finding life tough or straightforward. It doesn't ask if I'm grieving the loss of loved ones. Or facing school friends who make fun of me for being a Christian. It doesn't inquire about the mess of my family. Mess that may even be largely my own making. So on top of the mess, I'm feeling guilty as well. It doesn't mention the desire some will have had over the Christmas period to give up being a Christian. It doesn't ask about any of those things. On a bigger scale, it doesn't ask what's going on for Christians around the world. It's quite a confident verse, isn't it? I take this message to heart. Humble yourself and respond. Whatever your situation you're in, you'll be blessed. Some advert jingles stick in your mind, don't they? I remember one from the 70s. If you're young, you'll not remember this at all. Well, you won't know it. You weren't born. If you're a bit older, you you might know it. I won't sing it, but the words went something like this. Anytime, anyplace, anywhere, drink martini. Do you remember that? Anytime, anyplace, anywhere, drink martini. You get the idea. Anytime, eight in the morning or eight at night, any place, at the dinner table or in your bed, Anywhere, Fullwood or Meadowhall, Martini is just right for you. Whatever situation you're in. I tried it, didn't like it. (laughs) See, but John's convinced at the start of this book, you'll like this. The blessing attached to responding to this message about Jesus, it's an anytime, anyplace, anywhere type of blessing. Well, that's why God doesn't here ask the specifics of your situation. It's not that he doesn't care. It's just that whatever the situation is, when you come to this book, the answer is the same. Take this message to heart. Humble yourself and respond. You'll be blessed. But there's an urgency to it, isn't there? See how this little section ends? Because the time is near. John's saying the clock's ticking on this blessing. 
it would be a shame to run out of time, wouldn't it? So however you finished last year, however you're starting this one, listen to what God wants to reveal through Jesus. So just two things this evening, two things from these verses that will be a blessing to servants. And here's the first one. Remember your gracious master and you'll want to praise in verses 4 to 6. Remember your gracious master and you'll want to praise. John's passing on a message directly from God. You you see how he begins in verse 4. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. It's odd reading someone else's mail. You, You might like doing that from time to time. It is a bit odd, especially if you get caught. It's odd reading someone else's mail. I think we're okay to do it here, though. Uh, The seven churches addressed, they were real churches, and there were real letters for them, but I'm sure they function in another way. Revelation is in a particular style of of writing. You you might might have heard of it. It's sometimes called apocalyptic. Uh, It uses pictures and numbers in a symbolic way. Uh, So next week, I think, when Philip is going to be taking us through the next part, we'll, we'll meet Jesus, described as having a sharp sword coming out of his mouth. No, we understand how the symbolism works, don't we? We don't get too bothered about that. It, it's not that this is what he looks like. We're being told something about the nature of his words. That they have real power in them, don't they? If he speaks against you, it'll be like fighting an army. If he speaks for you, you'll be well defended. And the number seven, well, well, we use it symbolically too. From time to time you'll hear people saying that oh, they've sailed the seven seas. We, we mean they've, they've been everywhere completely. Well, it's similar in Revelation. Seven can be used of, of something that is complete or, or sometimes even perfect. So the Holy Spirit in Revelation is sometimes referred to as the seven spirits. Not literally that there's seven of them. It's complete, Perfect. And a letter to the seven churches was also a letter that is for all the churches, completely. There are things here for all the churches to listen to. Even for us, here in Fullwood, in Sheffield. John, to the seven churches. Do you have good friends from years back that you don't see very often? As you get older and you start to move around, you sometimes lose touch. But but you remember them. You remember the shared times that were great fun. Do you, do you think about that with some of your really good friends? Maybe from, for some of you way back in university days or days when you were younger. You remember shared times that were great fun. The conversations where you just talked for hours. It can be a strange feeling, can't it? Meeting up with them after a long period of time. And you can start to wonder before you meet up with them, things like this, will we still get on? You remember how good it was and you're about to meet up with them again and you think to yourself, will we still get on? Will I still recognize them? Will they have changed much? Will we still be friends now? What will they say when they see me? And some of you, I imagine, feel that way with God, don't you? You remember some good times in knowing God, but you've been in a low patch You found living as a Christian a bit of a struggle. It almost feels as if you and God have not been speaking for a while. Some of the original readers of this letter were in a low patch. For some of them, 
they were being faithful and it was just hard being a Christian. Some saw friends thrown in prison simply for being Christian. Some had actually become loveless and harsh. Others were were really active but just wishy-washy on just about everything. Some of the original readers were, I guess, the kind of Thulwood kind of wealthy. But they were so half-hearted. Jesus will actually say to them, you make me feel like throwing up. That's the kind of people God is is speaking to here. People with issues like you and me, and we come to it, and we, we have this question in our mind, will we still be friends? The first words set the tone, don't they? How might God address you? Well, it's there in verse 4, isn't it? Now, this is what he says. Grace and peace to you from God. Now, that's God's greeting to his church. Grace and peace to you. God will have some strong things to say to some of these seven churches. And I imagine over the next few weeks, he may have some strong things to say to us. Uh, but his first words to us are grace and peace. Isn't that something? Uh, the way God speaks to you. A grace, that undeserved favor God shows you as a Christian. And because it didn't depend on you in the first place, even when you mess up, God seems determined to relate to you on the basis of grace. Ongoing undeserved favor and peace in a world that still has conflict on on the personal and global scale for Christians there is peace with God so even if he does have strong words for us we're still friends is this the God you remember as you listen to him does that bring back memories And did you notice this greeting appears to be from every member of the Trinity, all wanting to greet you with grace and peace and remind you of something particular about themselves? Uh, Just follow it through with me. This is what God says. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. I take that to be God the Father and from the seven spirits, the Holy Spirit, uh, before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. What are we being told here? Let's have a think for a moment. And we'll see a God who is involved, accessible, and victorious. Involved, him who is, and who was, and who is to come. This is the God of history. He seems to span all of it, and he is to come. Now, this God links himself with human history. He is coming again. That's the defining moment in history. The God of the Bible is a God who involves himself in the mess of human affairs, and he wants you to know that. You're not left on your own. And accessible... I love the BBC, don't you? I even love the little adverts. The BBC are great. They put on little adverts telling you how great the BBC is. Do you you see those little adverts from time to time? Uh, 
One of my favourites, I don't know if you've seen it, where they talk about their correspondence. And the BBC have got correspondence everywhere, haven't they? They've got people everywhere. The places where you and I have no access to, the BBC have got someone there for you. They've got a correspondent who is there for you. Grace and peace to you. From the seven spirits before his throne. That's the most important place in the universe. At the throne room of heaven. And it's not vacant. Whatever you think about the world and the state of affairs, someone is in control. Someone is seated on the throne and you have someone there who thinks of you. The Holy Spirit before his throne saying grace and peace to you. Hey, Christians elsewhere will be told to pray in the Spirit. Those requests, therefore, have access to God's throne. That's quite something, isn't it? God's throne room is accessible to you if you're a Christian. Uh, That will come as a surprise to some churches who think you need certain saints to pray on your behalf if you're going to be heard. Oh, no. He hears you when you pray. And victorious? Well, we're given a little outline of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. He was the faithful witness. He remained true to the end, even when he was before Herod and Pontius Pilate. And you remember when he had to stand before those men. He remained true to the end. He was the faithful witness. He's the firstborn from the dead. He shows us death isn't the end. He rose again. And he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. He didn't look it when he was nailed to a cross, did he? But he is. He was faithful to God, even under the most severe pressure. Even more pressure than these Christians that John's writing to will be under. But he proves that even if it were to mean death, God can bring you victorious out on the other side. And he wants you to know that. Do you like God's style here? Uh, Do you understand what he's saying to you? Are you finding things tough as a Christian? Well, he knows how to bring you through victorious. Uh, Jesus is your forerunner. He's done that. Uh, Do you feel yourself in need of help? Your cries really are heard before his throne. Do you sometimes think things will never change? Well, he is involved. And he is coming. And as John starts to think about these things, he seems overcome and breaks out into a kind of, I guess, a song of praise in verse 6. To him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. There's all sorts of things mixed up here. Love and freedom and forgiven sin and service and future praise. And would you just notice, as John remembers who God is, his first comment is, he loves us. He loves us. Perhaps that's a reassurance uh, you need this evening. And John's up front about his sin, knowing Jesus. He doesn't hide it away. He feels able to talk about it quite openly and he rejoices that the decisive blow against sin has been dealt with by his blood. 
He set you free from the guilt and power of your sin. Isn't that a huge relief at the start of a new year? Set free from sin's power and effect. And almost immediately, John says, he's made us able to serve God. It's a funny thing, isn't it? One of the things John is most excited about is God treating him like a servant. It's actually when this liberating, loving, gracious God treats you like a servant. It is the most wonderful way to be treated. Have you found that? See, remember your gracious master and you'll start to praise. So what? Well, have you lost some of your enthusiasm for the Christian life? Are, Are you feeling sin dragging you down? Are you on the edge of some moral compromise? Does serving God seem too hard and not worthwhile? Well, perhaps this week, Uh, You might take some time just to read these verses again to review your life in light of the God who is involved. To pray about your problems confident that heaven hears. And to keep serving in difficulties knowing he can sympathize and help. You take these words to heart. John says, you will be blessed. Finally, and more briefly, here's the second thing. Remember the coming judge, and you'll find perspective. Verses 7 and 8. Remember the coming judge, and you'll find perspective. Some things are a matter of opinion, aren't they? Some things are a matter of opinion. You've probably noticed uh, that over the past few months, I've had more hair on my head than normal. Some of you. I've been attempting to grow a beard. I know some of you have been looking at it because I've been fascinated by how comfortable many of you are expressing your opinions about it. (laughs) It really has been fascinating. Some tell me, just at the door at the back, that's often the first thing they say, some tell me they like it, some tell me they don't. Some have told me it makes me look older. As some women have said, it makes me look fatter. (laughs) There's mainly women that say that kind of thing. Others have said it makes me seem thinner. I feel the word seem is important there. (laughs) Some have encouraged me to shave it off. Others have pleaded with me to keep growing it. I'm slightly nervous about whatever I do now. See, all your opinions as you look at my beard make me slightly confused and indecisive. I was going to shave it off, but I'm not sure now. Just look down at verse 7 again. Because in verse 7... John wants us to look at something else, but he doesn't want our opinion. Look. He is coming with the clouds. It's an odd thing to say, isn't it? With the clouds. I think it's a reference from our earlier reading in Daniel. We'll probably look at it a bit more next week because that'll come up again. But in our earlier reading in Daniel, God described the day when he'd finally and decisively establish his kingdom and rule. The day when his king would come again and his king would exercise judgment. Daniel, all those years ago, he got a sneak preview when when he said, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. That's what John is telling us. The judge is coming. 
and it's Jesus. And that day, well, it's not just for Christians. And that day, Jesus is not just for Christians. Do, do you see what he says in verse 7? He'll make eye contact with everyone. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. See, it's a reminder again, isn't it? Christianity isn't something to believe in because it makes me feel better. If you're here and you're not a Christian, perhaps you've come along with a Christian friend, uh, please don't think something like this. Uh, Well, if Christianity makes them happy, it's okay, I suppose. Uh, But I feel happy enough without believing in Jesus, as if it was only a matter of opinion. Like believing in Jesus was like a preference for beards. No, one day, the king will return and make eye contact with you. And it won't be a happy day for some. John writes, and all the people on earth will mourn because of him. Some people think that the job of preachers is to encourage people to meet with Jesus. That's not quite right. One day, whether you like it or not, everyone will meet with Jesus. No, we want to encourage you to get to know Jesus as your gracious and saving master now so that when you meet Jesus as the coming judge then, you'll be safe. At Jesus' return, it seems to be the thing John wants us to keep in view. I think that's what he was referring to when he said the time is near. Some will say, well, we've been waiting 2,000 years for Jesus to return. Look, John's emphasis is not on the date of return, I don't think, but that we're living in the time when he could return. And that will be the end. See, the clock is ticking. Uh, That should change the way you view things. See, remember the coming judge, and you'll find perspective. Is it difficult being a Christian? Uh, Do you feel disheartened at the state of the world and things that are just going on in your life? Look, he is coming. He's coming for you. Are you perhaps a Christian who's become half-hearted? Your priorities have become centered around yourself. What perspective is shaping the way you spend your money and your time? Look, he is coming. Are you here not yet a Christian? Are you wondering if being a Christian would be good for you? Perhaps you need to think about it from this perspective. Look, he is coming. And the clock is ticking. It would be a shame to leave it too late. And in the last verse of our reading, it's almost as if God again himself gets excited by this whole prospect and gives us his verdict on it again. Let me just read this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this book right at the end of the Bible. Thank you that it is what it says it is, a revelation of the Lord Jesus. I thank you that you're not a God who hides himself away from his servants, but opens up himself and his plans and opens up his heart to us. I thank you for this gracious revelation so that we can know you, be encouraged by you, and know how to respond to and trust the Lord Jesus. 
And please would you help us to do that more and more over these coming weeks uh, as we look at this book together. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to stand and sing our closing hymn. And we trust in you, our shields and our defenders. The music group begins. Let's stand together. <laughs>